Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debates, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadiens Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen. I'll be your host for the next hour, and uh, this is episode 58 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the David DeHarnay edition, and uh, I'm thrilled to be joined in studio, as always, by the David DeHarnay to my Sven Andraghetto, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? I'm doing, um, well, I'm happy to be here. I don't know if I'm doing all that well, uh, still under the weather, but um, no, I'm, uh, I'm very happy to be here because we have so many things to talk about. Uh, Sven Andrigetto, um yeah. over in Avantgarde uh, these days, um, and uh, also think about another, uh, what about a Noah Juleson wearing that number Noah 50, Juleson. doing pretty well in, in Laval yeah. right, uh, these days. Yeah, so soon enough you might see that number uh, 58, hopefully, if things keep progressing the way that they are. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been quite the week, <laughs> and uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll start with just the, the week in review for the Montreal Canadiens, because, you know, this has been, we've talked about the roller coaster that we might experience this year, so last week, not the greatest week for the Montreal Canadiens, but they bounced back <laughs> with three games and three wins. The Los Angeles Kings last weekend, Hockey Night in Canada, Shea Weber with two goals, including one that was just a remarkable display of hand-eye coordination. Carey Price with 31 saves. It's Carey Price, and and as we're going to talk about, he has been rounding into his Vesna form. Then you have Columbus, and that game started out not looking so great for Montreal. But then in the third period, you have Tomas Tatar tie it late off of a sweet pass from from uh, Nick Suzuki. Like his his playmaking ability, just the patience that he's displaying right now, it looks like he's really turning a corner. And then Jonathan Drouin with the shootout, or Carey Price with 33 saves in that one. And then last night, last night was maybe the most impressive performance of the Canadian for the Canadians to this point, a 5-2 win on the road at Washington, four goals in the second period from Deneau, Weber, Wheel, Suzuki, Tomas Tatar with four points. He continues the incredibly weird season that he's having. And uh, <laughs> then in the, in the midst of that, there was the Alex Ovechkin hit that has sparked a little bit of a, you know, I, I think it was, I think most would probably say that it was a clean hit. Ovechkin does propel himself off the ice, whether or not it happens before or after contact. It's tough to say. It does happen very quickly, um, but he, he will have no hearing. Uh, Renaud Lavoie tweeted that out about an hour or so ago. So he is not going to have any supplemental discipline, and I think that's probably understandable given it, it did. It was just Drouin was kind of in a, in a vulnerable position where, you know, and it wasn't like the principal point of contact was the head. Regardless, so it, it, it was probably a, a clean hit. Um, but uh, yeah, regardless, a three-zero week, a three-and-zero week for the Canadians, and uh, lots of stories that have emerged out of that week. 
it was, uh, yeah, a very good week for the Canadians. Um, this is, as we talked about last week, the favorable part of their schedule, the part of their schedule yeah. that they are supposed to be accumulating points. Uh, home heavy schedule, a schedule where they um, face tired teams on back-to-backs, those kinds of things. Um, but there was nothing easy about last night's game in going nope. into um, uh, the Capital Center and, and Capital One Center and, and um, uh, taking on a team that was right at the top of the league. And um, it could have turned out very differently, as, as Claude yes. Julian alluded to after the game. He said that, um, you know, Capitals came hard at first 10 minutes and, and had some very high quality scoring chances. And it was uh, Carey's price who um, uh, turned away all of those and, and set the tone. And um, uh, that, that after that, his team got some confidence and, and, uh, and took over and followed the game plan and, and really frustrated the Capitals uh, yeah. creating turnovers and, and uh, the Canadians dominated the, the possession Carey Price was good. Uh, Shea Weber was outstanding. It was, um, and Nick Suzuki, as you mentioned. Um, um, how about Lee, Nick Suzuki leading the team in uh, faceoff percentage last night? That was well. uh, <laughs> that was something. Um, yeah. But that hit, that hit was certainly uh, um, something that was talked about, and and um, I think you you characterized it correctly. Um, uh, it was Druen carrying the the puck into the uh, capital zone, um, going straight at Dmitry Orlov. And had uh, we we talked about this earlier, had uh, Druen continued pushing towards the net, and um, uh, Ovechkin came flying in, um, uh, blindsiding him. I think then you would have had reason to call a charging penalty, but. Um, uh, Drouin, uh, I guess he thought he was running out of real estate, so he cut into the center right at the faceoff dot. Yeah, his head was down and uh, put himself, as you said, in a vulnerable p- position. The contact happened. Whether certainly Ovechkin uh, left his feet, and and uh, I think the damage, quote unquote, damage was done as as they both went to the ice, and Ovechkin landed yeah. on top of Drouin. Uh, but there was he didn't contact uh, Duran's head. Whether he left his feet before or after the the contact, that's debatable. Mm-hmm. Um, but Duran went into concussion protocol for the second period, and um, <laughs> quote Julian joked after the game. Um, he considered um, leaving Duran in the dressing room for the third period because once. Uh, he left uh, the ice. Uh, the team started scoring. Have scored four times <laughs> in the second period. <laughs> but but yeah. he said that that uh, no, no, no. Drew wanted to play, and he was was cleared to play. So uh, he came yeah. back and played the third period. Ovechkin seemed rather nonchalant afterwards. And yeah, was asked about it and said, you know, ah, it's it's hockey. It's it's not ballet. It was a hockey play. He didn't see me. It was a clean hit. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, uh, it was announced that there won't be any hearing, no supplemental discipline, and I think that's the correct uh, decision there. Yeah, and I and Montreal is just happy to get out of there with <laughs> the two points, and Jonathan Drouin looking as though he was in, you know, uh, not 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 having a concussion or any injuries from that hit. But yeah, I agree with Ovechkin though. I think that you take that if you, if you were to get any supplemental discipline from that hit. I'm not entirely sure what hit is illegal. It just seemed like that was a, 
that was a hit that Joanne entered the, the part of the ice where, you know, the center of the ice, you cut in there. You got to be, you have to have your head on a swivel and be looking around, especially for number eight, because he looks for those hits and, uh, and Ovechkin got absolutely everything on that one. So that was, uh, yeah, but Montreal happy to get out with the two points and a healthy Jonathan Drouin. Um, so Rick, I've, I've done a little bit of, of looking at what Montreal has accomplished to this point. And you tell me, does this matter or not? Because I went through, and so the Montreal Canadiens are now 5-0 and against teams that have made up the last two Stanley Cup finals. Vegas and Washington, Boston, St. Louis, they're now 5-0. and It is November, but does that matter? Um, I've, I think it it does matter early in the season uh, that, you know, this is the kind of game that you point to um, yeah. when, when, when a team is, is uh, say they're down uh, a goal or two um, after, after the first period. And, and it's, it, these are the kind of games, the Washington game, the St. Louis games, those are the kind of games that coaches can reference. Those are the kind of games yeah. that, that players can reference. Um, I think it was Tatar who said um, um, this past week, we aren't afraid of anybody. Um, and, and that's, that's the kind of uh, attitude they need. Now, um, as, as this month is, is uh, filled with teams who are not in a playoff picture for the most part, um they need to, yeah, those games are important too. And, and there yeah. was a bit of concern the way they looked against Columbus, the way they looked against uh, Los Angeles, those teams are at the bottom and, and um, you know, they found ways to win, but it, they just kind of squeaked it out. So um, those points are very important, but I think that, that the Canadians can hold their head high knowing that they can compete uh, with, um, as you said, teams that um, uh, were in um, uh, very much in, in the Stanley Cup uh, hunt uh, the past little while. Yeah, and I mean, you talk, and we've talked about individuals that have not performed as well as they should against top-tier teams. Notably, we, we've talked about Jonathan Drouin against teams within the division like Toronto, Tampa Bay, and, and, and Boston. But if you have these types of performances against this team, like against teams like this, I mean, that is encouraging. And I think that this is something that the Canadians can draw on going forward. And as you mentioned, the, the start of Columbus and, and I mean, even LA to a, to less as the game went on, the, the Kings got back into it, but you know, the, the games against those two teams didn't leave a whole lot of, you know, confidence didn't inspire a lot of confidence, but uh, the way that they played against, the Washington Capitals and have played against, as I said, the, the St. Louis Blues, taken two from them, taken one from uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and one from the Boston Bruins as well. I mean, those are teams that were, were right there at the end of it when uh, when all was said and done. So that has to be encouraging for this team. Um, now, so, that, that yeah. said, I don't think the roller coaster is over yet. No. <laughs> so uh, so this, <laughs> and, isn't, this isn't clear cruising here. Uh, and, I and as, still think yeah. it's I still think it's going to be a, a roller coaster season, and and um, the Canadians um, on this on this run that they're on um, have have leaped up the standings, and and 
uh, ahead of, of teams like Tampa Bay, ahead of teams like the yep. Maple Leafs. And, but you gotta, you gotta believe that, that uh, Tampa Bay is not going to be uh, where they are yeah. uh, for long, that they're going to be um, um, pressing and, and, um, uh, and teams that maybe we didn't expect to be there, like the Islanders, have, uh, they mm-hmm. show no signs of letting up. So no. we're getting to that crucial um, check-in period, that the American Thanksgiving being the, the, the date where um, you know most hockey people say is important. Although Elliot Friedman, um, is, he's done his own little research, and he, um, he uses uh, November 1st as a as kind of a guidepost, um, um, a milestone uh, place, but um, Canadians have work to do. They've, they've got work to do yeah. on special teams. They've got work to do on face-offs, got work to do preventing uh, the shots against, particularly the high quality ones. Um, so, um, but this is, this is really, really uh, encouraging. And as you said, especially against some of the top teams, uh, they played really well this year. And, you know, I think that Tomas Tatar may may well end up being the poster boy for this Canadian season because some nights it's four points, some nights it's a couple of penalties that are not really necessary. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so he may, he might be the poster boy for this season. We don't know. But uh, 19 points and 19 games played. So <laughs> you're not complaining there. But uh, anyways, uh, we'll continue. And we have the weekly... Cole Caulfield update because you know that's something that we need we need to hear about uh, our young sniper on the Wisconsin Badgers and see how he's been doing as of late well last night they played uh, Notre Dame Uh, that's Jake Evans uh, old NCAA team Um, and um, it was billed as well there were signs in the um, Cole Center uh, in in Wisconsin saying the Catholics versus the Caulfields (laughs) Um, being Cole and, and Brock on, on the Wisconsin team. Um, And uh, uh, Notre Dame was coming in there. They were perhaps the hottest team in, in uh, the NCAA and um, uh, Wisconsin shut them out three, nothing. Um, Cole had uh, a goal, a power play goal. Um, That's his fourth power play goal of, of the season and uh, ninth overall ninth, uh, um, uh, goal in, in 13 games. So um, he's uh, still cruising along. Uh, he seems to go in spurts or, you know, there's yeah. <laughs> a couple of games where, where you won't hear of him. Um, interesting stat that they said on the, the broadcast last night, uh, Cole Caulfield has zero hits in, in, in <laughs> not, not that he's expected to do that, but uh, he hasn't even accidentally run into anybody and been credited with a hit. He has zero hits so far this, <laughs> this season, uh, nine goals, uh, four assists, uh, for 13 points. Yeah, um, not too bad. Hey. Not bad at all. No, <laughs> take some of that goal scoring, you know, anyway, you know, we can, we have guys that can hit, we'll take some of the goal scoring. <laughs> um, um, and if you want, yeah. if you want to know more about Cole, um, uh, as you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were at uh, Penn state um, and we have uh, probably the only um, uh, video interview uh, that you'll see with Cole Caulfield, um, uh this fall. Um, he, he, um, Amy Johnson, um, uh, 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 was the interviewer. She talked to him. Uh, he, there's all kinds of topics in there. 
um, <laughs> and uh, a very uh, enlightening, very entertaining interview. So go to the All Habs YouTube, YouTube account. Um, just go to YouTube and, and search for All Habs, all in word. Um, and you'll find uh, uh, that interview and other exclusive interviews uh, there as well. And uh, be sure to subscribe while you're there so you don't miss any of the other uh, uh, exclusive content that we have. Absolutely. That's definitely worth your time. And, and if you want to hear from Cole Caulfield, that is certainly the uh, one of the best ways to do it. Um, so speaking of goal scoring, um, the Montreal Canadiens have been linked by EJ 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 Raddick, excuse me, <laughs> easy for me to say. Uh, he is Taylor Hall has been linked to Montreal, which is obviously something that the Montreal Canadiens fans are probably pretty excited about. And the way that things have been going, and we see the Devils tonight, the way that things have been going for New Jersey, maybe not what they had anticipated. Taylor Hall expiring contract. Maybe they look to ship him off closer to the deadline and maybe Montreal is a team that can take on uh, Taylor Hall at this moment and has the financial uh, is, is able to, to sign him long-term should they choose to. So this, um, this was a very interesting and, and it's on Twitter and, and, and everything like that. I, I searched it up earlier today and he made a, I just want to say though, he did make a comment that I, I didn't really quite agree with which was that the Montreal Canadiens might need centers more than wingers which might have been why they went and got and made the offer sheet to Sebastian Ajo Um, but you know I think at this point the Canadians just need a guy that can step onto the ice and you feel as though they are a threat to score when they're out there because you have Carey Price between the pipes you feel like you can win most nights you have Shea Weber out there you feel like most times he can probably rip a one-timer that a goaltender is going to duck out of the way of so you need a guy that can just step on the ice and is an instant threat, at least as far as, as I can see it. And I don't think that that needs to specifically be a center as much as maybe was the case in years past. Right now, maybe it just needs to be a winger, and maybe Taylor Hall could be that guy. I, I think that, you know, coming off of an injury-riddled season, uh, you know, was the heart winner two years ago, so maybe it's something to consider. But, uh, yeah, it's certainly interesting that they've been, they've been linked in like this. Um, and, and yes, uh, EJ Raddick uh, from the NHL Network, if uh, you're not familiar with him, he's, yeah. uh, we see him uh, a lot at, at, at games. Yeah. He's, uh, um, he's very credible. Um, his quote was, Montreal has the money and, and yeah. um, Taylor Hall would be a good fit with the team. Um, and, and maybe this is just speculation on his part although you know we've noticed there's been a bit of extra attention by the devils um, scouting Lavelle and um, so take that for what it's worth um, you know with him being a, a UFA on, on July 4 is is he the ideal uh, candidate I don't know uh, as you said the Canadians are missing that elite talent up front um, uh, Taylor Hall would fit the bill for sure. Taylor Hall has been more of a playmaker this season. Uh, yeah. Just two goals, but 13 assists, 15 points. Um, but with, um, you know, Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, and, and the rest of the young talent that um, Jersey has, and the fact that they're, they don't seem to be going anywhere uh, this season, Ray Shiro might be interested in, 
in um, um, moving him before the trade deadline. And, and um, Canadians, yeah, um, um, Mark Bergman is sitting on a, a pile of cash. Uh, yeah. Last I looked, they were um, uh, second to the bottom in terms of, of um, uh, the amount of cap uh, space that they're using. So uh, plenty of cash again this season. Um, it's, it's, it's worth having fun with and seeing um, where this goes. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, part of the Montreal Canadiens uh, struggles right now might be, or you could probably say is that a former New Jersey devil isn't quite giving them the production that they would have hoped for. And that is um, Keith Kincaid because it's already been thrown out there. And it was talked about on last night's broadcast. Claude Julian made comments. Maybe maybe if all Carey Price has a light night against the Washington Capitals, like 10 shots or something like that, we'll consider giving him the back-to-back against Washington and New Jersey. Um, so we, we've been through this before, where last year, Antti Niemi, after a certain point, I believe it was probably early January against the Florida Panthers, and then we really didn't see him the rest of the way. Um, so is it concerning at all that with Carey Price playing the way that he is, he's got a 922 save percentage in his last 10 games, he is rounding into form. Is it at all concerning that the Montreal Canadiens may already be losing faith in Keith Kincaid? It is concerning because he was brought in to do, you know, just the opposite. Um, they talked about Carey Price ideally having a kind of a 55 game load last year played, uh, 66 games, which was second only to Devin Dubik, I believe. Um, and um, they didn't want to get anywhere near that uh, this season uh, so that, that, that he could be ready for the playoffs. It, it's uh, Carey Price leads the NHL right now um, with 16 starts, leads the NHL in with 10 wins. Um, and, if you project uh, his number of starts over the season, um, that would bring him out to 69 starts. Not where, um, you know, what was talked about going into this season, bringing in experience backup was supposed to alleviate the problem. You heard Keith Kincaid promise that um, he would be uh, starting 30 games. He was capable of starting 30 games this season. You heard Stefan Waite and, and, um, Mark Bergevin talking about 25 games, 25 to 30 games. Right now, if you extrapolate, um, uh, Keith Kincaid has has made three starts so far with a 535 or 435 goals against and an 879 save percentage. Um, if you project those three starts over the, the course of the season, that, that gives him 13 starts uh, for the year. That's, um, that's not what was supposed to happen. And, uh, um, especially for um, the kind of money that they're they're paying uh, Keith Kincaid. Yeah, and, and that's what's kind of getting lost now is that people be like, oh, one point seven five million isn't all that much for a backup goaltender. That's that's an investment. You want something from that if you're going to pay one point seven five million for a goaltender because that could have been used. And I'm not saying that it would have changed anything, but it could have been used to beef up the Aho offer sheet if you didn't have that money allotted to get a backup goaltender. I mean, there, there are things that the Montreal Canadiens could have done differently in this past offseason if they didn't sign Keith Kincaid to that deal. 
And, you know, I mean, you could promote from within because maybe then you don't have this log jam <laughs> for the Canadians goaltending depth chart that currently sees Michael McNiven uh, just playing anywhere and everywhere <laughs> around the ECHL where now he's currently in, in Jacksonville. So, you know, that's, that's, so what, what has he been doing in the ECHL? Is there anything to, uh, to monitor there with, with Michael McNiven? That's it's, it's just tough. And, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, pitch the, the um, all Habs YouTube channel because there is an interview yeah. uh, that was done just over a week ago with Michael McNiven uh, went down to um, uh, Reading when, when the Reading Royals were playing the Adirondack Thunder. Um, and at that time, uh, McNiven was assigned to uh, Adirondack, the New Jersey affiliate um, because let's remember the Canadians do not for the second straight year, do not have their own ECHL affiliate, which is causes players to be scattered about. Not only that, uh, they find themselves in an, in an environment where they feel rather isolated. Um, yeah. you know, there, it's not an organization they know. It's not personnel. They know it's not coaches. They know it's not systems. They know, um, so uh, Michael McNiven was there, kind of put his head down, uh, uh, just worked hard. And uh, when when we caught up with him, he had come off back-to-back shutouts and had been named ECHL uh, goaltender of the week. And and um, and his reward for that, and again, it's because New Jersey has their own priorities. They sent a, yep. a goalie down. Um, McNiven became the third goalie there. So not a situation where he was going to uh, get any starts. The Adirondack had three, uh, three games in, in three nights. McNiven didn't get a start there. So the Canadians said, okay, we got to move him somewhere else now. So off he packs his bags and he's down to Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Iceman. Um, and that is the ECHL affiliate of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, it's, it's very difficult situation. Um, yeah. For the, for those goaltenders and, and particularly, um, you know, you, you have Caden Primo and, and Charlie Lindgren who have been responsible prime, a good reason why uh, the rocket have been playing uh, much better of late. And I, and they've been getting an equal split there, which is appropriate. Uh, the two goal, I, I think Caden uh, has one more uh, win than Charlie does. Both have been playing well. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's not the way to manage your prospects. Um, no. and it's, uh, especially when you have the possibility of a, a struggling Keith Kincaid or at the very least, uh, a coach Julian who doesn't have, uh, the full confidence in him that, uh, that he should. Yeah. And I mean, I was think I was looking at Charlie Lindgren's numbers and I know that, <laughs> You know, Charlie Lindgren, for whatever reason, has fallen out of favor for a lot of Canadians fans that just pay attention, look at the stat sheets for the AHL and be like, oh, he allowed this many goals. What is he doing? He's not he's not good enough. I looked at some of the numbers in his NHL for the time that he spent in the NHL, which, remember, has been for Canadians teams that have not been good. (laughs) So 12 of his 18 games played at the NHL are quality starts. So maybe that might tell you. So if you're, you know, he's got a 2.89 goals against average and 9.12 save percentage. So for the uninitiated, that's probably enough. That's probably enough. But then on top of that, 12 of 18 of his starts have been quality starts, including 9 of 14 in 
2017, 2018, when the Canadians were pretty bad. <laughs> so, you know, th- that just seemed, it seemed like a natural progression that he would be the guy. And then you could have McNiven and Primo in environments where they are familiar, they understand what's happening, and you can try to grow those guys up. But regardless, um, we're in this situation now with Keith Kincaid, who, for all we know, may not. And we have the question of the week that we threw out on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, saying, who would you start in goal against the Devils, Keith Kincaid or Carey Price? So uh, you can respond to that on uh, Facebook and Twitter, or you can call into the show if you wish. It'd be 213-943-3754 or text line 585-3-ROCKET. So, Rick, uh, just before we wrap things up, there was also some conversation about Montreal's center position because Ryan Paling didn't play a whole lot when he was up with the big club, about eight minutes or so usually. And then now you have Yasperi Kotkaniemi, who's nearing a return. Nick Suzuki, as you mentioned, who has looked pretty good at the center position. So so where do the Montreal Canadiens go from here? And did Mark Bergevin maybe tip his hand a little bit at what that, what the future might hold for those guys. Um, yeah. Mark Bergevin earlier this week had a um, uh, kind of a quarter season review, a uh, bit of a presser. It was, it was relatively short and he didn't have much to say, uh, but he did spend a, a fair bit of time talking about uh, centers. Um, he talked about, although we saw uh, Ryan Paling, um, migrate to the wing um, uh, when he was up with Montreal. He, as you said, um, uh, just eight, mi- eight minutes and 42 seconds um, on average per game in only four games um, and um, struggled at the face-off circle. Um, it's tough. It's really tough for uh, a player who's used to playing a lot of minutes, a, pl- a big player, um, yeah. to, to feel part of the game and to get in a groove with just eight minutes a game, that's really, really tough. And, and that's, again, the Canadians are terrible transitioning young prospects. Um, but um, uh, uh, Mark Bergevin said that, that um, don't, be, don't, be, um, don't misinterpret this. Um, Ryan Paling is a center. He will be a center at the NHL level, and he will be a center with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so he's he's back in in Laval. Uh, we were hoping he would get top minutes. That's not necessarily how Joel Bouchard works. He's uh, finds himself on the third line. Um, what's what's a little disappointing is that uh, first game down, he was with uh, Kevin Lynch, an ECHL player and Nikita Yevpilov and Kevin Lynch, they were uh, both Paling and Lynch were splitting face-offs. Now, uh, Paling needs to take all of the face-offs. He needs to be out there for every face-off to practice yeah. his face-offs. Yeah. Um, he sa- and, and basically he, um, when asked, he said, it's not a speed thing. It's just, they use different techniques in the NHL. Basically he was saying they know how to cheat better in the, in the NHL <laughs> centers too. Um, but, uh, Ryan Paling's going to be a center. Um, yes, Mary Kakanemi, center of the future, but has been off to a slow start. How much that groin injury has has uh, played into that, we don't know, and still doesn't have um, medical clearance. Uh, only played 12 games this year. Um, hasn't played since 
October 30th versus Arizona. So he's, he's missed seven games, but that has, has given uh, Nick Suzuki a chance on the third line. Um, And with, with the uh, on again, off again, Thomas Tatar being bumped to the third line, the Tatar Suzuki Lekkonen line has looked very good at times. And Suzuki's looked very comfortable at center. Um, You know, he's, He's skilled. He's smart. He makes good reads. He anticipates the play. He's good defensively. He's actually, as as at the beginning of the show, I said he's actually very good at fate on faceoffs. Yeah. Um. And so this is this is going to set up an interesting um, storyline to watch. Is is you know who's at center tonight? Um, Suzuki, I'd like to see kept at center. You don't want to put Kakinami anywhere else but at center. And yeah. does that mean that finally um, Max Domi, who has, um, you know, last last nine games, he has a goal and an assist. He's he's kind of been pretty invisible the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, Max Domi is not great at face-offs. Um, is this a chance to move him to the wing and get him back on track? Yeah, I think that could really benefit Max Domi at this point. And that's something that I've wanted to see for quite a while. I think that that might help him out in creating offense, which is what the Canadians will need him to start doing at some point again, like he did last year. So uh, hopefully that might, that might, it might lead to that because Nick Suzuki has been very impressive. And uh, I don't know if you want to move him away or try to, you don't want to really mess with anything that's been working for him to this point. So that might be something to consider. Uh, so, Rick, when we come back, we are going to uh, dive into some of the comments that were made uh, this past week with, uh, you know, some of the some of the fallout from comments made by Don Cherry and Jessica Allen. We're going to get to that after a quick break. So stay with us here on the Canadians Connection. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. 
Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. You can follow Rick at All Habs. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, so, and we also have, keep in mind, the question of the week. Who would you start in goal against the Devils? Keith Kincaid or Carey Price? Keep those answers coming on social media. So, Rick, um, it's been quite the week in, in the hockey world. And, you know, um, before we get started, I, I know that you'd like to say just a couple of things before we, we talk about what we're going to talk about. Yeah, this is uh, one of those topics that we wade into reluctantly. Um, mm-hmm. We're rocket sports. We, we cover sports, um, obviously. Um, and given the, the talent we have, given the expertise we, of, of the team we have, uh, our focus is hockey. And, and we've been doing this for more than 10 years. Uh, and, and through that time, we've done our best to, to steer clear of politics. Um, in fact, I talk to team members all the time um, that, for us, uh, political commentary is, is out of bounds. Um, it's just, it's too personal. Um, yeah. it's, it's too divisive. And, and unfortunately, uh, this, this past week, the biggest story in hockey is purely political. Um, and that makes, that puts us in a, a bit of a difficult position. Um, much of the conversation this week, uh, was driven by, in my opinion, partisan political activists, um, some of them even posing as sports reporters. And, and um, he's not the only one, but, but say someone like Bruce Arthur comes to mind. Hmm. Um, so listen, we're, we're going to do our best um, to remain, as always, apolitical in this discussion we're going to have. Um, the issue for us is kind of threefold. There was uh, Don Cherry's comments that received an avalanche of response. Uh, on Hockey Night in Canada. Um, there was um, Sportsnet's, uh, and what's being discussed, Sportsnet's disrespect of uh, Remembrance Day and uh, Jessica Allen's uh, racist and sexist comments on the social, on CTV. Yeah. Um, this, this discussion has, has divided the country uh, somewhat along political lines, um, you know, maybe if you're living in the artificial bubble on, on Twitter, you probably don't realize that there's, there's a relatively equal debate or equal support for both sides. Twitter, uh, Twitter is, is 90% anti cherry. I, I, I would say, um, <laughs> Facebook and Instagram, if you go on there, it's completely the opposite. It's predominantly pro cherry. Um, yeah. there's multiple online petitions. There's hundreds of thousands of people who are, are showing their support for cherry. There's, um, you know, all the, the, uh, reaction, uh, to the, um, uh, Canadian standards, broadcast standards, uh, organization. Um, there's hockey players and it's clear that they're support supporting, uh, cherry Bobby Orr has spoken out. Um, but that's kind of, 
that's setting the stage for what we're yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to talk about uh, this week, and and we're going to try to do this in a in a reasoned, objective way. And and Joe, I'll let you uh, lead off on that. Yeah. So as you said, this is not something that I am overly comfortable talking about because, but it's something that we have to talk about because this is within the the landscape of hockey and this is what's going on right now. And so it, it really is what we need to talk about. And so, you know, if, if you have not heard what Don Cherry has said, which I would imagine that at this point you have, um, you know, every remembrance day, Don Cherry says pretty much the same thing on, you know, leading up to remembrance day, the hockey night in Canada, the coach's corner before it, wear a poppy. Remember the people that have sacrificed for this country. And, I think that as polarizing as Don Cherry might be, the one thing that he has consistently done that has unified this country is his support of veterans, is his support of the people that serve for this country. And, you know, it was unfortunate that in this instance, and he has said as much, that he would have worded it differently if he could go back and do it again. He he may he would have worded it in a different way. And, you know, it's, it's going to be weird to not have Don Cherry on Hockey Night in Canada on Coach's Corner after the first period because for me and for many others, you, we don't know a Hockey Night in Canada without Don Cherry. And, you know, it's, it's been 38 years, and he has been a, a, an institution. He has been, he along with Ron McLean, after every first period. And, you know, it, it's been something that, Maybe when I was watching it move on last Saturday, I, I didn't actually watch the coach's corner. I watched the first period of the Habs game, and then I, I had another engagement. I didn't actually see what he said. I didn't watch the clip until well after. But I was watching it move on social media, on Twitter primarily. That's my social media. <laughs> that's my social media of choice. Um, and you know, it just, it felt different. It felt like maybe this would be, you know, the time that, and, and, you know, people have compiled lists of things that Don Cherry has said over the years. Maybe this would be the one that, you know, um, led to his dismissal. And yeah, it happened on Remembrance Day. And, and that part of it is, it's, it's unfortunate because you don't like to see people lose their jobs. And Elliot Friedman, his former colleague at Sportsnet, said that in his 31 Thoughts it's just the whole thing. He said, the whole thing is sad. There are no winners. I felt horrible for coworkers hurt by it for viewers who felt targeted for the ugly, never ending social media battles for Ron and for any career to end that way. So, you know, I was thinking about like thinking about how Bob Cole last year was, you know, put out there. It was his farewell tour, so to speak. And, you know, part of me is upset that Don Cherry doesn't get that. But at the same time, I, I don't know, maybe this was inevitable that at some point he was going to say something like this, and that was just going to be it. That was just going to be the end of, of, of his broadcasting career, which, as Friedman puts it, is unfortunate. But for me, I don't know if we're here talking about this, if it isn't exacerbated by the comments made by Jessica Allen on the social. And Jessica Allen is not somebody that I thought that I'd be talking about on this podcast, but here we are. Um, so her comments, it was just 
it was hurtful for one. It was dangerous. And speaking in blanket statements and generalizations like that, that is not productive at all. So when Jessica Allen's talking about, and if you haven't heard what she said, which I'll go ahead and read some of. So she says that she doesn't worship at the altar of hockey, which is fine. Uh, she gave the reason was a certain type of person in my mind, in my experience, who does. And they all tended to be white boys who were, let's say, not very nice. Uh, they were not generally thoughtful. They were often bullies. Parents were able to spend, to afford uh, $5,000 a year on minor hockey. Uh, you can do other things with that money besides spending time in an arena. You can go on a trip and learn about the world, see other things. The world is a big place. Get outside that bubble. And she said that for her, Don Cherry is the walking and talking representative of that. While acknowledging she, he, that he's done good things, uh, she believes that he's a misogynist and a bigot. But, um, you know, the part of that that I just could not even understand was that, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that she's had those experiences with some hockey players, whoever they might be. It's unfortunate that she has. But the idea that she has completely closed her mind off to an entire group of people and then not even that, but to bring in race and social class as well. I mean, to do that is just to say that you are not, that you are, you're lazy, that you're not willing to see the good in people, or at least to attempt to see the good in a person. And that, to me, is the bare minimum that you can try to do as a person. So, you know, listen, I, I think that we have to acknowledge that the person that Jess Allen is talking about does exist to some degree, but to bring in race and social class into this conversation, which is something that Cherry didn't do. I don't think that that's fair. I, I really don't. And also it's just, it's just not productive to speak in the way that she's speaking. So for, for all of the, the conversation that's gone on, I, I, I don't know if we're here talking about Don Cherry's comments a week after the fact, if Jessica Allen doesn't come out and say that, you know, I think that I, I've met the person that she's talking about, but that doesn't mean that when I meet another hockey player, I immediately assume that the person that just that, 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 that this person is exactly the same as that other person that I didn't have a great experience with. You know, so just in general, I think we need to do better at trying to see the good in others. And that's what my takeaway from this week is, because those comments, I mean, there's the, the parents of the Humboldt Broncos are rightly uh, upset as well as many in the hockey community are upset about these comments because they're hurtful in nature. They, they were not intended to, you know, um, they, they're not helpful. They're not productive. They're just, they're just hurtful and dangerous, quite frankly. So Rick, I've had my say, what have, what have you made of the last week? Well, your ending is where I'll start uh, with the families of the Humboldt Broncos. Um, Anyone who is on the wrong side of them is on the wrong side of me. Um, if you hurt those families who have endured pain that is, is indescribable. Um, I mean, Jessica Allen, I don't, I don't think there's any kind of, uh, I, I don't think there's any dispute in, in the fact that what she said was, was far worse uh, than what Don Cherry said. Uh, she explicitly brought in uh, race. Um, she explicitly was sexist. Uh, as you said, she also brought in socioeconomic class. Uh, but to say that 
hockey culture is full of bullying white boys and that Cherry has bred a a legion of misogynists uh, is outrageous. Um, And um, there, there's just, as as you said, she seems to, to have a, she doesn't like hockey. She doesn't like that hockey is considered to be part of the Canadian identity. Um, And, um, you know, that, that was, that was really hard for, hockey families to hear uh, for hockey moms and dads to hear about their boys. There was a a really nice response uh, that I retweeted by a a young uh, hockey player, an immigrant uh, from Europe who's come over and, and, um, and, and said that, um, you know, one of his hockey heroes uh, was a woman um, and um, a female hockey player. And, and um, it's those kind of, um, you know, Jessica Allen didn't necessarily think uh, before she spoke. Don Cherry, what he said was inartful, and and um, but I think that again, th- those things are it's already baked in the cake. Uh, Don Cherry uh, didn't yeah. say anything explicitly racist um, uh, at all. Um, he said, um, and and you you must be able to agree that. Um, his overall message was buy a poppy, wear a poppy. Um, be grateful to those people who have provided you the life uh, that you are so living because uh, they paid the ultimate price. Um, I've lived in both Montreal and, and, and uh, Toronto. And um, it's, it's discouraging uh, when you're, you're uh, one of the few. And I think one of the reporters went out and in Toronto estimated downtown Toronto estimated it was, you know, generously 5% of the people that, that they ran into were wearing a poppy. Um, I, I, you know, in the couple of weeks up to Remembrance Day, I, I always wear a, I buy a poppy, I wear a poppy. And, and, um, and even, um, even when uh, my travel, you know, I've been, I'm on the road yep. a lot. Um, <laughs> I was wearing a poppy when I was at Penn State to see uh, Cole Caulfield. And it was interesting because, um, one of the uh, faculty at Penn State came up to me and asked me about the poppy. And it led to a fascinating conversation where we shared um, information and histories and culture and, and all kinds of things. Um, it, 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 it was, it was, it was, a, it was a, a real positive uh, discussion. And that, that is the power of the poppy. And, and I guess, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to see hockey. I don't want to see the NHL move into the, you know, I, I the NBA is probably the most um, po- politically yeah. contentious kind of league right now. The NFL has had their issues as well. I don't want to see hockey go there. Um, I really don't want to see hockey go there. And, and if this is indeed the end for, um, um, Don Cherry, and as you said, that would be a sad thing because he is indeed an icon, um, regardless of how he went out. He is an icon, but there's a pretty big hole to live uh, to fill. Um, yeah, he was a patriotic. He is a patriotic Canadian. Um, he there is no bigger advocate of Canadian hockey. There's no bigger advocate of minor hockey. Uh, no bigger ad- advocate of the military. You know, that's important to me. We have three active service 
Canadian military um, um, members in our ranks uh, doing podcasts and writing for the uh, for Rocket Sports. Um, he was the biggest proponent for for veterans, and also the biggest proponent for first responders. That's also I have first yep. responders in my family. That's also meaningful to me. And th- that's a that's a hole that um, Hockey Night in Canada is going to have to be sure is not left unfilled. Um, so, so let's try to, uh, take some positive out of it. Let's try to, uh, agree that, um, that, that politics, uh, let's, let's not let people like, uh, Jess Gallen take our, our great sport, our great leagues and, and, uh, use those, uh, for for their own political hate and and um i just don't want to see it go that way yeah and it's it's been a difficult week i would say i mean just kind of the back and forth that there's been and elliot friedman addressed it it's on social media there's the back and forth and you said you know facebook instagram mostly pro cherry uh twitter maybe a little bit more anti cherry but you know in any regard in any respect it's 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 just it's tough to see people that love the same sport divided like this. And, you know, it's to me, like I said, I think that we need to do better as a, as a society and trying to see the the good in people, seeing the best in people and putting in that effort. And, you know, Jessica Allen's comment specifically, it shows that there is, that she had a lack of, of effort in, in trying to see the, the good in somebody it's just from her preconceived notions. And, and I don't think that that does us any good. Um, I, I really don't. And I don't think, um, you know, it's, 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 we want, we want free speech. We want to be able yep. to air our views, uh, but we want also responsible speech. Um, yes. Something that uh, just, just, just a side note uh, and an incident that really bothered me um, this week uh, at a Vancouver Canucks home game at the Rogers arena, uh, Brent Larson um, just an ordinary guy. He and his dad got tickets to the game. Um, they went and they brought with them a small sign. And all the sign said was, I support Don Cherry. And it, they had a hand-drawn picture of a red poppy on it. Yeah. And at a certain point in the game, uh, towards the end of the period, an usher came down, asked Brent um, if he would come to the concourse. He, he And he used the ruse. He said, uh, we like your sign. We want to um, we want to put it up on the we want to get a picture of it so we can put it up on the jumbotron. Um, when uh, Brent went up to the concourse, waiting for him were two security officers uh, from Rogers Arena and two policemen, two police officers. Um, yeah. They confiscated his sign, <laughs> the sign that said "I support Don Chair." I realized I realized that Rogers. Um, has their name on the the uh, arena? I realize that they own Sportsnet, um, but to to take away something, uh, to, to to shut down that kind of free and open expression is is really sad. And I hope that um, uh, Mr. Larson gets an apology. I hope that he gets uh, tickets to a. Uh, an upcoming day, game for him and his dad, and and uh, that that was that was an ugly, ugly uh, uh, side incident coming out of this. And 
going forward, as you, and you addressed this, going forward, it's, it's going to be interesting, interesting to see what goes, what happens with, with Hockey Night in Canada. I mean, Coach's Corner has been there. It's 38 years. I mean, that is remarkable um, longevity. And now it's going to be in it going towards a different direction. And, and who knows what that might be. Um, so tonight... <laughs> Tonight against the New Jersey Devils, Montreal Canadiens, New Jersey Devils, I, I would imagine that there are going to be a lot of people sticking around to see what happens uh, during the first intermission, uh, just to see what direction Rogers is going to take with this. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a conversation that has continued. It's it's intensified as the week has gone on, um, and I, I don't know if it because Don Cherry, as, as we were discussing, and and I believe this. I mean, I don't know if this changes much for for how Don Cherry is going to be viewed because the people that love Don Cherry, this, the space that he occupies in Canadian sports and popular culture, it's not going to change for the people that love Don Cherry and the people that didn't like Don Cherry. It's he's going to be right there. I don't know how, how much this is going to tarnish or, or take away from the space that he currently occupies. So, I mean, it, it will be very interesting to see who Rogers is going to get to replace that, that big of a of a of a draw the, for many many years in Don Cherry and say what you want he was that he was a draw for them during the first intermission so um, it, it remains to be seen how that's going to be um, how, how they're going to deal with that so with all that said we've had our say on this uh, you know on this conversation that we probably as as rick alluded to we are rocket sports media we don't often commentate on uh, politics or events associated with politics so we've had our say on that but when we come back we are going to get to the responses to the question of the week which is simply who would you start in goal against the devils tonight keith kincaid or carrie price so we'll be back after a quick break stay with us here on the canadians connection podcast The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. 
Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Um, so, Rick, we have the question of the week, which is simply, who would you start in goal against the Devils, Keith Kincaid or Carey Price? And this has gotten some, I think this is as split as, as I remember it being. But, I mean, even with that said, though, I think a lot of people would probably say that Keith Kincaid should probably get the start tonight because you don't want to wear out Carey Price. So here's Matt with saying, well, with another back-to-back coming up with Columbus and Ottawa, I choose to start Keith Kincaid tonight, especially since the Devils are also playing on a back-to-back. Um, Blaine, Potvin, yeah, Habs Unfiltered podcast. If Julian is truly serious about managing Price's minutes over the entire season, despite Price playing amazing hockey right now, you start Keith Kincaid in a back-to-back versus his old team. And um, Mike, said, in response to that, saying, I don't, I don't see them giving him the start against his former team. Um, Eric says, if uh, you start Keith as well, however, expect a loss tonight, just saying. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you know, that's, that's a positive outlook. <laughs> uh, Vero saying Kincaid. Uh, Johnny, not, Johnny Mach saying Kincaid for sure. His former team, he will be stellar. All right. And uh, Uncle Hobbit saying Keith Kincaid, that's why MB, MB signed him. He needs to demonstrate that the, the team has confidence in him. So, you know, it's, it's, I think that it's, it's split in the way that I think most people agree that if you start Kincaid, your chance to win probably goes down a little bit and people might be more inclined to start Price, who's got a hot hand right now. You know, you want to you ride him, but at the same time, people have mentioned especially as Blaine pointed out if you're serious about managing his minutes and managing his his load over the course of the season then then I think you have to go with Keith Kincaid and uh, as we talked about earlier it might be worrisome that we're already having this conversation (laughs) but uh but what's Facebook saying and as you said I think I think this is uh almost equally divided we should learn pretty soon um, mm-hmm. um, how soon, how, who will be starting tonight, but, but, uh, keep your answers coming in because this kind of, this question kind of relates to, um, the workload issue, as you were saying, Joe, um, yeah. uh, you know, do carry price in his trajectory is, 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 uh, looking at 69 starts, uh, already, uh, is, is that, is that exactly what, uh, is in the plan and it's, and it's only, um, mid November. So, um, anyway, going to, to, to Facebook, we, uh, and if you want to join the conversation on Facebook, look for the all Habs fan page. Uh, we've got, uh, almost 45,000 people who, uh, weigh in regularly. Um, Mike Hawk says price, uh, Sheila O'Brien says price for sure price. Um, 
Sylvan Cote said, Price is good when he plays a lot. Get Price back in goal. He'll give us the best chance to win. Give him a day off when they don't play. Um, Jason Benoit says, let Price rest. Uh, Jeff Christie says, uh, Kincaid deserves a start against his former team. Uh, Paul Dubé said, I'd go with Kincaid. If they don't play him against bottom feeders, then when are they going to play him? Uh, Brad McCauley says, Kincaid, we don't need carry overworked. Um, Claude Maté says, Price must start. Brodeur used to play 82 games a season. Why can't Price? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Gus Calvin says Kincaid. Ben Pedno says Price. So it's, it's uh, a, a, we've got kind of an equal split on Facebook. Um, those thinking, uh, looking for the win, thinking riding a hot hand, um, and, and arguing that, that price is a workhorse, uh, are, are suggesting price and, uh, and with the rest suggesting Kincaid, uh, given that, you know, he was brought in to be, a a, a 25 to, to 30, uh, start goaltender, uh, for this club. Yeah. Well, as we, as you just said, we'll, we will probably find out very soon who is going to be getting the start between the pipes. But keep this coming in because, as you, as you said, I mean, this is not just a question for today. This is a question. This is a larger question at this point because the Montreal Canadiens did make an investment in Keith Kincaid. They did bring in a guy who they thought would be able to give them more than Auntie Niemi gave them last year. And at this point in time, it seems as though he's going to give them just, a, you know, less, but if not less than just about the same as, as Antoniemi did last year. So, you know, it's it's going to be a concern going forward, especially, you know, Carey Price at 32. He's not a spring chicken anymore. You want to make sure that he is 100%. And if you do end up getting to the playoffs, you want to make sure that he's got something left in the tank. Um, so, Rick. We, we, um, yeah. um, we usually have a quote of the week. And that's, yeah. you like, you like the quote of the week. I'm just <laughs> going to toss in, we didn't plan to, to use this quote, but we have some time. Let me just toss this quote yeah. of, uh, in and see what you think about this. Uh, Eric Ingalls tweeted that a scout uh, during the, the Columbus game uh, came up to uh, Eric and says, said the whole machine, that is the Canadians machine turns on this wheel when Arturi Lekkonen is on the ice. Ah. Arturi Lekkonen is the is yeah. the cog in the wheel, and it's funny because I was doing just poking around, and and you know that uh, for me an important stat is primary points. That is first mm-hmm. assist, uh, primary assist, and and goals um, at five on five. Uh, so five on five play primary points, um, and the leader in primary points, Brendan Gallagher, uh, at eleven. Uh, primary points. Uh, second is uh, Dano and Druan with eight each. Third is Arturi Lekkonen and Thomas Tatar with seven primary points each. Now, uh, Art- one of the knocks on Arturi Lekkonen is that he doesn't contribute offensively. Um, I would say, uh, as we saw last year, he led the team in game-winning goals uh, Arturi Lekkonen contributes important points, game winning, game winners, primary points, and and uh, as we see from from this this uh, set of statistics, um, he he 
contributes uh, primary points when they're when they're needed. And and it's not only um, me that's saying it. Here's a scout saying uh, this machine called the Canadians five on five um, um, uses our Lekkonen as as the cog. I think that's an important quote uh, for us to bring back later in the season and and see if it's still valid. And, and yeah, and, and as the season has gone on, you know, the conversation has been, okay, who do the Montreal Canadiens need more out of? And there are some that are saying that Arturi Lekkonen is somebody that they could use more out of. And, you know, I think that the runaway leader in that would probably have to be Paul Byron, but people are still grouping Arturi Lekkonen into that group, even though the work that he does on the defensive side of the puck, the work that he does on the four check that creates, you know, creates turnovers, creates scoring opportunities. Think of uh, Paul Byron's goal against the, uh, the Boston Bruins a couple uh, last week. Uh, you know, those are the types of things that he does that consistently make Montreal a better team. And I think that it's fair to say that they are, that he is maybe the straw that stirs the drink when it comes to the, the type of play that Montreal should be trying, you know, the type of team that they should be trying to be. They should try to be like Arturi Lekkonen out there creating havoc at every opportunity. And I think that if he were given more of an opportunity to be an offensive player, I think that he could be, you know, you say that he comes through with clutch points. I agree with that. And I think that he could probably come through with even more points if he was given some time on a power play as he's a good possession player who does possess a good shot. I know that people don't like to think that he does, but, but he actually does. He actually has a pretty good wrist shot. So I would like to see him given more opportunity. And I, I don't know if he'll ever get that, but I would like to see it because I think the Canadians could use another couple of guys that can put the puck in the back of the net. And if given an opportunity, maybe Arturi Lekkonen could be that guy in addition to all, all that he already does. So, and maybe, I like maybe that quote. until then, yeah, until then, we just appreciate him for what he is. And we yeah. looked at last night's game, the, the, the Capitals, the game against the Capitals, as one of the best games the Canadians have played this season. And the, uh, one of the reasons, uh, as Claude Julien pointed to, for the win was the fact that they, they didn't allow the, the Capitals to get going. They, they played them tight, they played them c- uh, close, and they forced turnovers. Who led the Canadians in puck possession last night? Arturi Lekkonen with a, a, a brilliant 72.73 Corsi for percentage last night. Uh, Arturi Lekkonen was one of the best players in the game last night and, and cre- helped create those turnovers um, and, uh, and, and limited the opportunities for the Capitals. He's a very valuable player on this team and, and uh, gets a lot of unfair criticism. It's, it's time that, that uh, fans start appreciating what he's contributing. I mean, if other organizations do, then why shouldn't we appreciate what a guy like Arturi Lekkonen brings to the table? So, Rick, with all that said, you have the game tonight against the New Jersey Devils. We await to see who is going to be the uh, starting goaltender in that one. Uh, but it should be a, a good night. It should be a fun night on uh, on Twitter. And, and I know that you're going to be live tweeting. You have the game preview coming up and the game recap following the game. So uh, look forward to following all the action online with you. And we'll have a game in between. That is Lavelle uh, yeah. Rocket are in action at uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon. Kind of an odd start time. But but watch yeah. uh, watch for our coverage of the Laval Rocket 
um, and you'll see Chris G. You'll see um, Amy Johnson, and you'll see uh, lots of uh, tweets from at the AHL Report uh, on Twitter, and of course, go to AHL.Report for uh, the game recap following the game to catch up on any action you missed. Yeah, for sure. And as Rick mentioned earlier in the show, there's also the, the interviews with the likes of Cole Caulfield, Michael McNiven. So if you're waiting to just want to kill some time, you can go and give those a watch and uh, get in get in the mood for some hockey tonight, this afternoon for the Laval Rocket. It's going to be a fun one. So we're going to uh, say goodbye for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. But as Rick mentioned, follow along with the coverage tonight at All Habs on Twitter and uh, certainly the AHL report as well. Uh, they, they're doing some great work, Chris and Amy. So definitely worth following along, but uh, you can follow at Habs connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you'd like this podcast, you probably like the three other ones that are under the rocket sports radio umbrella. They have, have a listen podcast Habs unfiltered and from the press box, you can search for rocket sports radio and hit subscribe on all your podcast platforms, including overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google play, and uh, yeah, so just search for Rocket Sports Radio, hit that subscribe button, you get all four of them. So we'll be back with you next week at 1 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Newfoundland time to discuss all things Montreal Canadiens and see where this roller coaster takes us next. So we'll be back next week. Talk to you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs Connection and visit allhabs.net.